you know, this is, this is the, um, the week of Thanksgiving. You know, we're all going to celebrate Thanksgiving here in a few days and probably eat way more food than we're supposed to. Uh, but I wanted to start things off with a, with a quick little story this morning, and I think uh, I think it'll tie into what we're talking about this morning. So, so two days before Thanksgiving, um, an elderly man in Phoenix called his son in New York and said, I hate to ruin your day, son, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. Forty-five years of misery is enough, and I can't do it anymore. We're sick of each other, so you call your sister and tell her. So frantically, the son, the son calls his sister, and she just explodes on the phone. She says, they are not getting a divorce. She said, I'm not going to let that happen. And she said, I'm going to take care of this. So she calls Phoenix immediately and tells her father, he says, you, do not get, you are not getting a divorce. He said, do not do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother, and we're going to fly down there, and we're going to help you guys work through this. So basically, the, the father, he, he ends the call with her and hangs up, and he turns to his wife, and he said, wife, he said, I've got good news. He said, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying for their own flights to get here. So I heard that story the other day. I was like, that is perfect for this morning. So a little Thanksgiving humor. So since it's the, since, since it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, I just really had it on my heart um, to talk about the importance of giving thanks. And that's, that's the title of what I'm talking about this morning. And uh, Pastor Brett actually shared about this some last week. Um, his third point last week was in everything, give thanks. And I, I kind of want to build on what he talked about. Um, but last week he, taught, he spoke about how a thankful heart stays aware of God's presence, and that's so good. He talked about how a thankful heart brings breakthrough, and that's so good. And he talked about how thankfulness keeps you focused. And if you haven't watched last week's message yet, I encourage you to go back and watch it, because between him and Tim speaking, it was just such a good time. But this morning, I want to build on what he said last week about thankfulness. And I want to talk about why it's important to have, have thankfulness shape our focus as far as how we're viewing life. Um, I want to talk about how it changes us when we live a life where we're thankful. It changes us. It impacts us and the people around us. And I want to talk about some reasons that we have to be thankful. In case you're in a place right now where you're not feeling very thankful, I want to give you some really good reasons you have to be thankful. So, so first of all, why should thankfulness shape our focus? Well, being, being ungrateful and unthankful has kind of become a part of human culture. You know, it's kind of where we've been, and it's not just a new thing. Um, it's been that way for a long time. In Luke 17, um, we actually see the story of 10 lepers, and we're going to pick up in verse 11 here. It says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, when you have leprosy, literally parts of your body actually start to decay and start to rot. That's what happens when you have leprosy. Kind of like, you know, back in, back in January when you were on that kick where you're like, okay, I'm going to start getting healthy now. So you bought all these fruits and vegetables, and now 11 months later, they're still sitting in that back drawer of your refrigerator, and, you know, they're a little rotten, a little moldy. That's kind of what happens when you have leprosy. Stuff starts to rot and just fall off there. So uh, fingernails can fall off, noses can fall off, lips and skin. Begin. It's just a horrible disease. And because of that, the laws and the culture of that day required people who had leprosy to be separated from everybody else. They basically had their camp set up outside the city, and that's where they all had to be together. They, lepers had to live there because their disease was considered so highly contagious um, that they weren't allowed to be around anybody else. That was just part of the condition. They couldn't, they couldn't hug their kids. Um, they, couldn't, they had to move out of their house. Literally, all their stuff that they had had to be burned. I mean, literally, every, every tie they had to their whole life was severed. You know, it was a very difficult disease physically and emotionally because of that too. So these, these men, they, they 
from way off in the distance, they see Jesus coming. And this was a man they had heard about. They had heard about him. They've heard that he was a miracle worker. They've heard that everywhere he goes, impossible situations change and turn around. They had heard the stories about him. So they call out from a distance. They say, Jesus, have mercy on us. They're calling out to him. So in verse 14, it says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So in order for them to be allowed back into society, they had to go show themselves to the priest. The priest had to check them out and give them a clean bill of health, say, okay, it's safe for you to return to society again. And there's an element of faith in what Jesus is asking them to do because when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, they haven't had healing manifest at that point yet. They basically, as they're going, whether it happened in the first two steps or halfway there or the moment they stepped up to the, up to the priest, as they were going, the, the healing manifested in their body and they received their healing. Um, it doesn't tell us, like I said, it doesn't tell us when it happened, but as they went, as they were going, they received their healing. They acted on the word that Jesus gave them and received their healing because of it. And there's that, man, we could preach on that for a while, but I gotta keep going here. So as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And that's significant because back in those days, Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. Jews actually considered the Samaritans like a half-breed. They actually called them dogs. They weren't someone they associated with. They looked down on them. And so it's significant this man was a, was a Samaritan. And in fact, in the, in the next few scriptures, when Jesus talks about him, he even calls him a foreigner. He doesn't call him someone who's from that area. So in verse 17, it says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You know, often when we, we, we become so focused on our current need that we forget to be grateful for what God's already done for us. And it's important we remember those things. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't understand. Why did this one man come back? Why didn't all 10 come back and thank Jesus? Because this, this was a big miracle that happened in our lives. And I think this is kind of a, an accurate picture of society right now. Around 10% of people are probably living pretty thankful. And there's probably about another 90% that aren't. And that's kind of a picture of what we see in our daily lives right now. Uh, what was so important, those other nine that kept them from coming back and saying, Jesus, thank you so much for what you did for me. I think they were thinking about getting home. I think they were thinking about going to see their wife. They were thinking about going to see their kids. They were thinking about their job that they'd go back to. I think they were already looking ahead to, the, to what was next. And they were missing out on an opportunity to reflect back and say, God, thank you so much that that's not who I am anymore. Thank you so much. I don't have to live my life that way anymore. Thank you so much that I can return to my family. And I think it's important that we remember to take those moments to reflect back and thank God for what he's done for us. It keeps us in a thankful place when we do that. It's so easy for us when, we, when God does something awesome. It's like, okay, that's great. But man, there's still all this other stuff I need done too. There's all these other needs. And we lose focus of what he's done because we're, all, we're so focused on everything else. And I'm encouraging this morning, let's pause just a little bit and say, okay, God, thank you so much for what you've done, man. You've been so good to me already. And we're gonna talk about that some more too, but you know, as far as here this morning, you guys experienced that we had some pretty awesome worship here, didn't we? Yeah, we, have, we always have awesome worship here. You know, the whole team has such a heart for God and I think it just shines through every single, every single service we're here for and I love being here for worship. Even when I'm out there doing the kids' check-in, I love getting to hear worship while I'm out there, but... It's important that when we worship, it's important that our worship is, is shaped by thanksgiving as well. Um, when, we, when we come to God, whether it's in prayer or worship or reading his word, um, that time should always begin with a time of offering thanks to God, saying, God, thank you for what you've done. 
Thank, when, we, when we learn to thank him first, it gets our hearts in the right place where we're ready to worship, where we're ready to spend time with him. It makes sure that we're focusing on the right things. Uh, let me read the scripture. Psalm 95 and verse one. It says, come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises to God who saved us. Everyone come to meet his, meet his face with a thankful heart. Come to meet his face with a thankful heart. I like that. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts. When we come to God, we should begin with an attitude of thanksgiving. When we want to be somewhere to see something, we get there early because we don't want to miss out on it. I know right now we're in a weird time where a lot of movie theaters aren't actually showing any what I consider good movies. But when movie theaters are showing good movies, I love going to the movies. And when I go to the movies, I'm not someone who shows up just as the movie starts. I'm, I'm there early. Like, I want to be the one who gets there and, and picks out the exact seat I want. I want to sit there and I want to answer the trivia questions as they're popping up on the screen there. I want to be there and I want to watch the previews so I can plan for what movies I'm going to see in the future. And then I want to be there to watch the movie. You know, I'm, I'm there early because I'm excited about what's getting ready to come up. And just, just imagine if, you know, we're in church right now. Just imagine if we got to church a few minutes early and before anything, you know, we say hi and greet everyone coming in because everyone's so friendly, they're not going to let you get by without that. But the moment you come in and sit down, just taking a moment to sit there and thank God for how good he's been to you. Thank God that we get to be here and worship this morning. Thank God that I have health. Thank you for protecting me and my kids and my wife. And, and thank you for your blessings. Just imagine if we came in and took a few moments just to thank God uh, for everything he's done for us. You know, taking some time to get your attention off the messy parts of your life, taking some time to get your attention off of that fight you had with your wife when you came in the church this morning, uh, taking, taking your attention off the fact that you had to yell at your kids 17 times just to get them out the door and in the van this morning, you know, all those, all those fun conversations we have when we're going places, um, off the regrets of how you handled some situations this week, because that stuff tends to consume us. Just imagine if we got our attention off of that and on God before the service even started by just saying, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. Think of how different worship would be. You know, Leslie was talking this morning about how it takes a while to get to a particular place where we can really enter in and experience God's presence. If we would do that from the beginning before worship even start, we'd kick off that way. You know, we could, we could, it'd be so much easier on the worship team if we just got to, if, if we just stepped in already and by the time worship started, we're already focused on God and ready to go. You know, it'd be easier on them and we would go to some really awesome places in our worship. We already have, but we'll just keep on going even further as we start to do that. So, so let's do that. Thanksgiving, when we live a life of Thanksgiving, it also helps recalibrate our heart to God's heart. That's part of what, and it recalibrates a big word there, but sometimes our hearts can lose their calibration. Now, some of you may know, may know this, but if you drive a car and you have your fuel gauge, fuel gauges are typically calibrated in such a way to where when it says it's empty, when it says it's on zero, you can actually go a little bit further than that. If you, if you, if you don't know that, you've never driven like I used to. Um, but you can, you can go you can, usually 20, 30, 40 miles past that empty, past that zero mark, they, they, they give you that benefit of the doubt there so you're not running out all the time. They, they help out people like I used to drive. So when I, when I was younger, especially, you know, I don't do this anymore, thank goodness, but when I was younger, I used to love playing this game of seeing how far past empty I could drive my car. And it wasn't like I didn't have the money for gas, I did. I just loved to see how far I could take it. You know, that was just, for some reason in my mind, that was fun to me. Um, and I never forget, I was driving home from Withville one night and I got around the Flying J exit, not the one in Fort Chisel, but the one before that. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I pushed this thing super far. It was like 20 or 30 miles past empty. I was so proud of myself. I'm like, okay, it's finally time to get gas. And I put my blinker on to start moving into the, in the turnoff lane there and I ran out of gas pulling up the off ramp there. So 
So that was, that was not fun, and that, that was, that was, a, that was, that's a dumb game, even when your gas gauge is calibrated correctly. You know, when things are all right, that's a very dumb game to play. I don't know why I got such a kick out of that, but I did. Um, but it's even worse if you have a car that is not calibrated correctly. Um, there was a time in my life where I, where I bought a 1991 GMC Jimmy, and this was the most terrible car that I ever owned in my life. I mean, just, just to give you some examples, I bought this thing and I discovered really quickly, I was, I don't know why I didn't test this when I was buying it, but I took a magnet one time and ran it around the outside of my car and it just kept dropping off. If you don't know what that means, it means there's not metal there. It means they put Bondo there and the metal wasn't there anymore. So I discovered that. I also discovered, I, I was uh, messing with my center console one day and discovered a mouse nest up in the, up in the so this thing sat in a junkyard for a while, I think. Then on top of that, when I would calculate my gas mileage, I think it was actually a negative number I got. I don't know how in the world that works, but it was like a negative number. And it would burn through one quart of oil every week. So this was, this was, this was a real classy ride. You know, it was, it was fun, fun as, as a young college student to drive that thing around. But, but anyways, I had this car, and I was trying to do what I always do, trying to test and see how far thing, this thing would go. And I was driving to work one day, and I still had a quarter tank, quarter tank of gas. So I figured this, you know, I got no problem here. This is plenty of gas. And I was coming up the width hill, and you got kind of the hill after the 77 exit. And as I was coming up the hill, I ran out of gas. So apparently the fuel gauge on this car was not calibrated correctly. And when it said it had a quarter tank of gas, it was actually empty already. So because of that calibration, I wound up having to call into work that day because I was sitting alongside the interstate there. But in, in the culture, in a culture that's so ungrateful, it's easy for our calibration of our heart to get messed up to the point that we lose our thankfulness. And that's the whole point of what I was talking about there. We have to continually calibrate our hearts and turn it back towards thankfulness again because so many things are trying to get us away from that and get us off of that. Uh, when we're focused on God and what he's done for us, it keeps us from dwelling on the things around us that we can't control, the things that are a mess around us. It keeps us from focusing on that and it allows us to focus on God. When I, when I live focused on God, it allows me to keep my focus upward where my answer is instead of down here where all the problems are. You know, it helps us to change our focus. It, set, it sets my eyes of hope and faith on the one who can actually do something about the situations I'm going through. In uh, Colossians 3, in verse 16, it says, let the message about Christ in all its rich, richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. He, we have so much to be thankful for. We're gonna talk about this more here in a few minutes, but we have so much to be thankful for. So what, is, what does thankfulness actually do for us? Um, I wanna give you five things that thankfulness will do for us. And I apologize, these won't be on the screen, so you'll just have to stick with me. Um, but the first thing is that thankfulness will break the cycle of negativity. You know, I think we can all agree that right now we're in a, we're in a culture where there's a lot of negativity out there right now. You know, if you turn on the news, it's negative. If you get on social media, it's negative. If you talk to a lot of your family, it's negative. If you sit around the break room at work, a lot of times it's negative. Uh, when, we're at, when we're thankful on purpose, it breaks the power of negativity in our life. It breaks that off of us. It sets our hearts in a more positive direction. It, gets, it turns me from a negative mindset to a positive mindset. Thankfulness will do that for us. Uh, the second thing thankfulness will do for us is it helps us slow down and appreciate life. You know, going back to the story we started off with there in Luke 17, only one of the lepers actually came back and said thank you to Jesus. 
you know, it took him time to do that. He had to give up time. That was time he could have been with his family. That was time he could have been going to his favorite restaurant that he'd been missing and getting a steak for the first time and who knows how long. You know, that was time it, it, he had to pull away from those things and come back to Jesus and say, thank you. It takes time to do that. Um, but it was important for him to thank Jesus for what he had done. So thankfulness helps us slow down and appreciate life. Um, the third thing is that thankfulness reinforces the good behaviors in others around us. You know, I'm, I'm taking a class right now on classroom behavior management, which is just all kinds of exciting. And uh, one of the, y'all don't pick up on sarcasm, do you? I was expecting a reaction there. But anyways, one of the things they teach you is that if you want to change a behavior in a kid and how they're acting, you need to praise them for the good things that they're doing more than you're correcting them for the bad things that they do. You should be focusing on the good more than you're focusing on the bad. You know, do you, do you want your kids to do good things? Do you want people around you to do good things? Uh, learn to thank them and praise them for the good things that they do more than you focus on the bad things that they don't do. That, that's, a good, that's a good key right there for not just with kids, with everybody. Um, learn, they'll automatically gravitate towards the good things when you, when you approach your relationship with them that way. Um, Someone I heard, I, I heard this phrase, what gets praised gets repeated. You know, when you praise someone for doing something well, more than likely they're going to repeat that because people like to receive praise. People like to be thanked for what they're doing. Uh, so just, you know, just at this church when you came in, man, there are so many people involved in so many areas of this church to create the experience that we have when you come in here. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you to you guys. And so many of you, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you for our greeters. You know, when you came in, we had these amazing greeters that say hi to you and give you, give you bulletins. Thank you for them. Thank you for our VIP team that's over here in the corner. They, they, they greet new people as they come in and help show them around. Thank you to our ushers who we'll see in action here uh, at the end of service with the offering. Thank you for our security team who you usually don't see them. And that's, that's what it's all about. They're there just making sure that we're safe. Uh, here in a few minutes, we'll get to see our prayer team. Thank you to you guys. You guys do such an amazing job. Everybody back in the sound booth, we have people running computers and cameras and the soundboard. We're so thankful for all them back there. There's just so many people who do so many things here. And I just want you guys to know we're thankful for you guys. Man, there's so much. Yeah, give it up for them. That's, that's something to cheer about. And I didn't even mention the fact that we have people back there working with our kids right now. So you parents get to have a break and they get to hear about Jesus. So yeah, hopefully they can hear that back in their rooms. But you know, there's just so many opportunities we're faced with to thank the people around us for what they're doing. And I encourage you to take opportunities to do that because it means a lot. It means a lot to, to you and to them when you do those kind of things. Uh, the fourth thing is that thankfulness will separate you from the crowd. Um, it's what makes us stand out and lets our light shine because we're supposed to let our light shine as a believer. Um, there was a, I heard, I heard this in an interview recently, and there was a lady who was an HR rep for a pretty big company for something like 20 years. She did it for a long time there. And she was in charge of interviewing people who were looking for a job with her company. And she basically made the statement that if a person did not thank her for the interview, whether in a follow-up email or at the end of the interview, she said, I wouldn't hire them. She said, I never even gave them a second chance. And she said, the reason for that is I learned that if someone wasn't thankful for the interview, they would never be thankful for the job once they got it. And she said, I recognize that wasn't an employee that would help our company out. And that's, that, there's, there's truth to that. There's truth to that to learn to be thankful. Uh, when, when someone does something good for you, man, learn to, learn to send them a text, learn to write a thank you card. You'd be amazed how impactful that is when we learn to live our lives thankful like that. It makes a difference on people. We can impact the people around us. And the fifth thing that it'll do for us is thankfulness will help keep our heart tender. And that's important. You know, it, it's so easy in, in, the, in the world we're in right now, in the culture we're in, um, it's so easy to get hard. It's so easy to get calloused. 
It's so easy to get angry as we look at things going on, but maintaining a heart of thankfulness will keep our hearts soft and sensitive towards God and the other people around us too. Um, it's way easier to hear from God and be moved with compassion like Jesus was when we're thankful because our heart's soft and ready to reach out to people around us like that. Uh, being thankful helps us and increases our ability to impact the world around us. So we need to be thankful. There's lots of reasons to be thankful. And maybe, maybe you're thinking right now, what if I don't have anything to be thankful about? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, life is just hard right now. Things aren't going the way I expected. Life is a mess right now. Nothing, nothing's like I planned it out years ago. It's just everything's falling apart. I don't have anything to be thankful about. Well, I wanna, I'm going to give you some things this morning that you have to be thankful about. And I don't, I don't have to know anything about any of y'all's situations. And the stuff I'm going to tell you this morning is stuff you can be thankful about. We can all latch on to. Uh, one thing that Pastor Brent said last week that I thought was really, really good, and I latched on to this, was that along with our list of things that we're praying and believing God for, we should have a list of things that we're thankful about. You know, that, that should be something we have going all the time because in those moments where life does feel overwhelming, in those moments where it feels like everything's falling apart, we can pull that list out of things that we're thankful about and remind ourselves of the things that God's already done for us. And as we do that, it'll shift our focus. We'll realize, hey, this is hard right now, but man, God brought me through that before, so I just trust he's gonna bring me through this again. That's, that's awesome that he'll do that for us. Uh, so just in case, just in case you've lost your focus, let me remind you of a few things that we can be thankful about. Uh, first of all, we can, we can be thankful for salvation. And we can, we can pretty much stop right there and let that be the only thing we're thankful for, and that would be enough to be thankful every moment of every day. Uh, I'm thankful that I, that I know, that I know, that I know that I'll never have to experience hell one day. Yeah, that's amazing. That's something to be thankful about. Um, knowing that, that while I'm here on the earth that I get to experience all the benefits of salvation. That's something to be thankful about right there. Um, I can be having the worst day ever, and that's still enough for me to be thankful. My world can be falling apart, but I can look back on the fact that I'm saved and going to heaven one day, and I can be thankful for that. I think, I, I think I, it's hard to hear when you're out there in the, out there in the lobby in the new, in the new foyer, um, but I think I heard Cody go through Psalm 103 this morning. Did he do that? Well, we're going to go right back there again to Psalm 103 in verse 1. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. That sounds a lot like being thankful to me, you know? You're remembering the things that God's done for you. And then he goes on to talk about some of the things included in our salvation package. So in verse three, it says, he forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. So when Jesus was beaten, when he was crucified, when he died on that, died on the, died on the cross and then rose again on the third day, he paid the price for every sin we ever have or ever will do. He went ahead and paid the price for it all at once there. So forgiveness belongs to you and forgiveness belongs to me um, because it's already been bought and paid for by Jesus. Forgiveness belongs to us. That's something to be thankful about right there. And at the same time that Jesus purchased our forgiveness, he purchased our healing too. He did it all at the same time. He took care of it and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shed my precious blood and I'm gonna go and pay the price for all this in one, in just in one shot here and take care of it. And he did that for us. See, we can, because he purchased it for us and gave it to us already, we can receive forgiveness anytime we need it because it's already there and it's already ours. Because he already purchased it, we can receive healing anytime that we need it because he already purchased it and it's ours. He already gave it to us. It's ours to receive literally anytime that we need it. And then once we receive that healing, we can even take it a step further and walk in divine health because he paid for us to have that too. That's all part of our salvation package. Are you feeling thankful yet? Good. Well, let's keep going. See if we can get everybody saying yeah. So in verse four, 
It goes on to say, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. So when Jesus hung on that cross and, and my sin and your sin um, and the sin in the entire world were placed on Jesus and the Father had to turn his back on him and, and Jesus experienced that spiritual separation from the Father that caused him to cry out and say, Father, why have you forsaken me? When that, because Jesus did that, because he experienced that, me and you never have to experience that. When he experienced that spiritual separation from the Father, that was the one thing that caused him to cry out to God and say, man, this is awful. The beating didn't do it. Nothing else happened. Nothing else did it. But when the Father had to turn his back on him, that did it. And the reason he had to do that is so that when we accept his sacrifice, we'll never have to experience that. There's literally never a moment where we have to be spiritually separated from God the moment that we receive him as our Lord and Savior. From that point on, we are forever connected to him and we never have to experience what Jesus did in that moment. So instead of facing an eternity of spiritual death, we get to face an eternity crowned with love and tender mercies. That's part of what I have and that's part of what you have. That's so good right there. Are, are you feeling thankful yet? Okay. So it goes on to say, it says, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's pretty good right there. Some of us, we want that youth renewed like the eagles right now, don't we? I know um, earlier this week, uh, my sister actually brought my niece to visit for a, few, for a couple days there. And my niece, if you've never seen my pictures or anything, she's, a, she's 11 months old now, or almost 11 months, and just full of energy. It's so fun. Uh, but while I got home from work one day, I think it was Monday, and uh, my sister wanted to take her in the back pasture and go look at the cows. Uh, so basically, we put her in a stroller, and I got to push my niece and a stroller up some hills around the back pasture to go look at cows. You talk about a workout after you've been at school, at, at work all day long. But I did that, and then as soon as we got back, you know, she was, she was still going. So they were still playing around the house there, chasing her as she crawled. And then we played a game where basically, basically she liked to be held, and we'd go around and look at things. She would point, so we'd go over here and look at that and talk about it. Then she'd point over here, and we'd go over here. And we went around the house for like an hour doing that. And by the time she went to bed around 8 o'clock, I was sitting there thinking, I need my youth renewed like the eagles. I was sitting there thinking, you know, she's going to bed and I think I could beat her to sleep right now. That's how tired I am after doing this. But part of our salvation package is that God fills our life with good things and he renews our youth too. Now that's so good that, that he does that for us. We can claim that and, and God showed me this yesterday and I thought this was so good. He says, we can claim that and we don't have to experience the same decline and decay that non-believers experience. As believers, we don't have to experience that because Man, God's, God's made this promise to us. We can claim that and not have to experience. Are, are you thankful yet? Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting a few more there, so I'm just trying to make sure that we're thankful for when we leave here today. We, we should be thankful that God talks to us. And how awesome is that? You know, we don't have to go through life wondering what, what God would say about certain situations. He's constantly speaking to us. You know, he speaks to us through his word. Any, any time that we open it up, he'll speak to us through his word. You know, one of the... Um, one of the ministers that I love listening to, and I know some of y'all know him too, um, his name is Rick Renner. And I, li I love Rick Renner because basically he's, he's, stu he's such a good studier. And he studies like the scriptures back in the original languages they were written in, and he puts them in the context of the cultures that they were written to. And he just brings so much depth out of every everything that he talks about. It's amazing. And I also love him because he has a very unique voice too. So when he speaks, you're like, I can have my eyes closed and I can hear that voice. I'm like, okay, I know that's Rick Renner. He's actually the pastor of a multi-site church in Moscow, Russia too. So he just has a really cool story about him. But anyways, every month I get a, a, a teaching letter from his ministry. And it's kind of neat because I've noticed, and I noticed this last month as I was sitting there reading it, as I read this letter that he wrote, I actually, in my mind, I hear his voice reading it. 
like as I'm reading it, in, his, in my mind, I hear his voice as I'm going through it like that because he has such a distinct, unique voice. And I was thinking about that yesterday, and when we read the word of God, we should read it like it's God's voice speaking to us too because his word is literally him, him recording what he spoke written for us to read. So as we're reading that, we, can take, we should pause just a moment and say, God, I'm gonna read this like you're talking to me right now because that's exactly what's happening. And I promise you, if you'll do that, you're gonna see it come alive to you in a way that you've never, you've never experienced before because you're recognizing this is God talking to me right now. It's so good. And then on top of that, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit too. In uh, John 16 and verse 13, it says, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He'll reveal God's truth to us. And he'll even reveal the future to us so that we can be prepared for what's coming. So we can, we can get ourselves in the position we need to be to, to make an impact on the world for the things he's showing us. But that's not all he does. In uh, verse 14, it says, he will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. That's pretty good. It says, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say, and I love how the Passion says this, that's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. So Jesus, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the divine encourager. He's always encouraging us. He's always encouraging us not to give up, to keep fighting, to, to press through until you get the victory. He always tells us to keep going. He's always encouraging us that we're a child of God, that we're a prophet, a priest, and a king, that we were created to rule and reign in this life and the next too. He's always encouraging us of that. And the best part of it is that he's with us every single moment of every day. He's with us right now in church. He's with us when we go home later on. He's with us when we go to, when we go to Walmart or Food Line. He's with us when we're at school, at work, wherever we're at. He's always with us and he's always functioning as in a divine encourager, encouraging us to be the best version of ourselves that God's created us to be. And encouraging us to keep going when life gets hard. Are you thankful yet that we have God, a God that talks to us? There we go, okay. So the next thing, we need to be thankful that he's given us everything that we need. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So the moment that you came to know Jesus, he made everything that you'll ever need to live a godly life available to you. Actually says he put it on the inside of you. He, he doesn't stop there. In verse four, it says, and because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Last week when, uh, when Tim and Pastor Brett were tag te teaming there, um, they mentioned the fact that the Bible has over 3,000 promises for us as believers. God's made over 3,000 promises to us that God has made us in, in, in his word. And those promises, according to this scripture here, those promises enable us to share in God's divine nature and live free from a, the world's corruption. That means that the corruption happened in the world doesn't affect us because of what God's done for us. That's pretty good right there, isn't it? With all the corruption and the mess we see in the world, it doesn't have to affect us because we can prosper and succeed no matter what's happening around us because God's divine nature is on the inside of us. That's good right there. Are you, are you thankful yet? Okay. Let me, give you, let me give you one more. Are you thankful for the people that he surrounds us with? And I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and be honest here and let you know that I totally stole this from Jack Mobellini. He doesn't even know this. But uh, yesterday morning I woke up and I wasn't really sure about the, what direction I was going with the service today, just being honest, I've been praying about it. 
and wasn't sure yet. And I was browsing Facebook. I was laying in bed. It was about 6 o'clock yesterday morning because my body never lets me sleep in. But that's another thing. But anyways, when I, was laying, I was laying there. I was browsing Facebook on my phone for a couple of minutes, and I came across a post that he made about being thankful for the people that God puts in our lives. So, so if these scriptures look familiar, it's because I totally stole them from Jack's post. So there you go. But the, the apostle Paul um, understood how important it was to be thankful for the people that God puts around you. He had an understanding of that. And I wanna, I wanna read just a few scriptures here, and you're gonna see a pattern start to develop here. Uh, first in his letter to the Philippians, in Philippians 1.3, he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. You know, I, I was thinking about that scripture, and I, I was thinking about people in my life, and I, I'm not sure that there's anybody that literally every time I think about them, I thank God for them. You know, this, and I'm not saying I'm not thankful for people in life. There's people I'm extremely thankful for, but that's just not where my mind goes every time I think of it. And yet Paul is saying that literally every time I think of you guys, I'm thanking God for you guys. You know, Paul had an understanding of being thankful for the people that God had put in his life, the people that God had surrounded him with. Um, we see it again in his, letter to, in his letter to the Christians living in Rome. In Romans 1 and verse 8, he says, let me say first, that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. So once again, he's acknowledging, hey, I am, I am thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for what God's using you to do. I'm thankful that God made our paths cross and that we were able to connect this way. He was, he was acknowledging his thankfulness for what they were doing. In Ephesians 1 and verse 15, it says, ever since I first, this is him talking to the, the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, he says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. So Paul understood the importance of being thankful for the people around him. He understood how important it was to acknowledge that, hey, God brought these people into my life for a reason, and I'm gonna thank them for the fact that they're here. I'm gonna thank them for what they're doing for God. I'm gonna thank them. Um, I'm gonna thank God for them because they've, they've impacted me. They've helped me out too. And I really, as I was thinking about this yesterday, I really encourage you uh, to reflect on the people that God has brought into your life. You know, the people who have made an impact on your life, uh, the people who have helped you get to the place you're at now, the people who have loved on you in those moments when you weren't very unlovable, those people who encouraged you at those times when you were feeling down, those people, man, when you walked in the church who greeted you and just, you just immediately made you feel welcome. I encourage you to, to think about those people and thank God for them, but take time to thank them as well for what they're doing. Because, uh, man, it's so amazing. That's one thing I love about this church is I could probably go around the room here and tell you reasons that I'm thankful for every one of you guys. I'm not going to do that because that would take forever. Um, but, you know, there, we have so many people here who do so many things for so many people who are such a great support system. And I'm, we're just so thankful for you guys. And I look back at my life out with people even outside the church, and there have been so many people um, that have poured into me through the years, so many people that have helped me get to the place where I am right now. And man, it just it makes you thankful when you think about those people like that. Um, so I just want to encourage you, especially with Thanksgiving week coming up, to, to reflect back and, and take a moment to say, man, thank you to some people. Thank you. Thank God for them, but take a moment to thank some people around you for the role that they played in getting you where you're at today. Because I promise you, it'll make an impact, and it changes your heart, too, when you do that. So are, are you thankful yet? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I've, I've, like I said, that was really what on my heart this morning, just to, just to remind you guys how much we have to be thankful for. Because if you talk to many people, I know in this church it's awesome. In this church it's a different environment. Um, but if you talk to so many people, there aren't a lot of people who feel very thankful right now. There aren't a lot of people who are seeing a lot of hope right now. 
Um, and as believers, when we, when we live our lives focused that way, so focused on God and what he's wanting to do in the world around us, that we're continuously thankful and we're gonna stand out so much. When, when, when people are in fear, when people are in panic, when people are angry about things that are happening, and then they encounter us and we're just full of love and joy and, and thankfulness for what God's done for us, they're gonna see that they're, they're gonna wonder what's different about us. They're wondering how in the world can you maintain that kind of life when everything's going on around us like it is right now. We can, we can literally change the world by living a thankful life. So, so as, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving, because we are in Thanksgiving week now, I want to encourage you to allow thankfulness to shape your focus. You know, every time this week you catch yourself getting frustrated, every time your wife says something and you're like, what in the world did she mean by that? Take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to focus on thankfulness this week. That's going to shape how I view the, view the world around me, how thankful I am for the people in my life, but also what God's done for me and what's ahead of me because I'm following him. I'm going to be thankful for that. Um, I encourage you to remember how being thankful will benefit you and the people around you because everywhere you go, man, you're, you're either a light to the world or something else. And I encourage you to be a light to the world everywhere that you go. And as you live a thankful life, you can impact the people around you that way. And remember all the reasons that you had to be thankful. You know, we have, we have individualized reasons that we can be thankful, but I gave you some that apply to every single one of us as believers, that we have something to be thankful about. I don't, I don't care what happens in the world around us. I don't care what's happening on the news. I don't care what's happening in politics. I don't care what's happening in our, in our county. We have reasons to be thankful that trump all that, that, that go beyond all that. And I just encourage you to find those reasons to be thankful and allow that to shape how you view this week. Just be thankful this week. So. Maybe, maybe, and, and most importantly, remember, if nothing else, remember that we can always be thankful for salvation. You know, if you can't see anything else, just remember that you and all these awesome people around us that have accepted Jesus never have to experience separation from God because we have salvation. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and that's something you've never got to experience. Uh, maybe you've never experienced salvation before. I'm going to ask you guys to, to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment here. And uh, the reason I ask you to do this is I don't want you to be distracted by the people around you. Um, I want you to, this to be a moment where you're, you're looking at your heart, being real honest with yourself, and looking at God, and, and you're asking yourself, you know, have I ever actually given my life to Jesus? Have I ever made that decision to make him my Lord and Savior? Uh, Romans 10.9 says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you've never made that decision, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to do that this morning, if you'd raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you. And you can leave here knowing that you're saved. Um, you can leave here knowing that your eternal destination is heaven. That's so awesome. So if that's you, if you'd like to pray that prayer this morning, just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. And I'm scanning around the room here. I know most of us are believers here, but I always just like to make sure. God. Well, keep your eyes closed, um, heads bowed just a moment longer. Maybe, maybe you have done that. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you just haven't been living for him the way that you should. Uh, maybe you've allowed sin into your life, or maybe you just haven't made God your top priority. There's other things that you've made more important than him. Uh, God loves us so much that even in those moments where we walk away from him, away from him, he makes a way for us to come right back to him again. First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So if you're, if you're a believer, but you recognize there's some areas I haven't been living for God, there's some sin that I've allowed to stick around in my life, but I'm ready to receive that forgiveness this morning. I'm ready to get back on the path that God has for me. 
If you'll raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you about that. And you can leave here knowing that you're back on the path that God has for you. I see several hands coming up already. I got to tell you, God gets so excited about this. He loves it when his kids come back to him. I see a, lot, I see a few more hands popping up. God's so awesome. God's so excited. Praise God. I'll give you all just a moment longer here. A lot of people responded already to this. All right, y'all can put your hands down. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer together, and we're just going to pray exactly what that scripture said. And as we do, God's so awesome, he's going to, we're going to receive that forgiveness that, he, gave, that he, he provided for us, and we're going to leave here completely cleansed from the inside out. Whatever, whatever it is that we were raising our hands for, that stuff is gone and in the past now. So as we pray this together, out of respect to those praying, I'm going to ask that we all pray this together. So Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin so I could have total forgiveness. Right now, I receive that forgiveness. Thank you that you cleanse me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer and prayed it from the heart, as far as God's concerned, uh, whatever you are praying about right there, it is in the past. He's never going to bring it up again. You're leaving here completely free from that, ready to step on to what God has for you next. And it's something awesome, i got to tell you. So.